verse 23. When you have it, say, got it. If you don't have it, say, wait. Nobody's saying nothing. Okay, all right. John 14, verse 23. As you're looking for it, um, before I read it, um, how many here love to take shots? I mean, you're like, oh, yay, I'm going to the doctor's. I'm, I'm going to get a shot today. No, 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 I'm not talking about the other kind of shots. I'm talking about medical shots. Some of you, I said, they're all, they're all dripping out your lips right now. No, not those type of shots. You guys, we've got a men's home and a women's home. We've got to be careful with that one. I'm talking about how many of you like going to the, the doctors? You know, the nurse comes in. And, and you know, and when you, you think about those shots, the shots are only like this big, but they look about that long when they're getting ready to stick them in you. You don't, you don't, is that just me? Hello. Okay. Anyway. Think about shots as I read this. John 14, 23. Jesus replied, If anyone loves me, he will obey my teaching. My Father will love him, and we will come to him and make our home with him. Father, we love you. We're always careful to give you the honor, the glory, and the praise. We know that Nothing can be done without you unless the Lord builds a house. He that labors, labors in vain. And God, we, we put everything at your feet. Ask that you would make it a sweet smelling aroma offering unto you. We'll try in our way. I'll try to deliver your word. Your, whole, your word is holy and righteous. But God, it's your spirit that makes it come together. So I pray, Holy Spirit, that you would touch the mind and the heart of the hearer in this room and that we would change and we would produce much fruit in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, I talked about vaccines, and, and they're, if you, you know, they're being developed now, um, many vaccines, but the one that strike me are the, those vaccines that um, can actually kill the high of an illicit drug. They have vaccines that will counteract, you know, opioids, you know, counteract different things. And so, it's, and they're working on these, these amazing things, right? But I, I found there's no quick shot for sin. You know, there's no vaccine that you can get it's going to stop you from sinning. Now, that'd be cool. C could you imagine if you had a shot? You know, you come to church, Victor Arch, come on. And I, you walk into my office. Oh, yeah, okay. Yeah, Pastor, I've been, you know, been tempted. Oh, don't worry. I got my, my sin vaccination. Pop, and out you go. Doesn't that be good, huh? Doesn't work that way. <laughs> you know, we can't do that. Rolling up our sleeves won't help. The jab, the needle won't get you any better. It won't give you no type of immunity. Sin is out there. You know, that's out there. A vaccination, can you imagine, for pride, greed, envy, anger, lust, right? Just a jab of the needle, and you're, 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 you're cured. It doesn't happen that way. Uh, uh, an injection against iniquity. And in fact, I think 
that if there were a vaccination, some, of, some people would be like my grandbaby. I told my grandbaby, she goes, I'm going to talk about getting shot because she just got a shot. Friday or Thursday? Well, you know, because of flu season. Some people don't like flu shots. I take one every year. You know, it's supposed to be real high influenza. But she came back and, and described the needle. She said the needle was that big. She goes, Grandpa, the needle was that big. It's probably that big, you know. And she was, she was like going through it. And I go, you got to be brave. She told my wife, don't tell Grandpa I wasn't brave. I was supposed to be brave, right? And I would dare say that if we had a shot, many people would say, no, no, I don't like that shot. And the reason being, because most people that are stuck in pride and, and, and lust like it. It's like we, we talk about it as bad, but let's be honest. Some people like being proud. You know, my neighborhood, we grew up in our neighborhood. We, we, we were proud people. We wouldn't bow down to a freight, freight train. We're just so proud, envious. And so to ask, hey, anybody wants a shot? Some people would run out to church. I, I like my envy, jealousy, my, my lust. That's, a kind of, that's, that's an interesting thing. So, see, God has, has placed several principles in regards to these, these attributes I'm talking about. And they really, what they do is they create spiritual antibodies. So as you're walking with God, you're going to have to increase your spiritual antibodies. Because that's basically what a shot is, is antibody. They fight those, those, those germs and bacteria, whatever, the germs inside your, your system, right? And over the time, as you're walking with God, God begins to increase your spiritual antibodies. It's interesting, right? Now, antibodies are nothing new. We've counted on them for decades to protect us. You know, penicillin, uh, polio shot. I was in the, the, the generation where, where polio was rampant. And, and I remember, I distinctly remember, we'd go down to this clinic. It was a hospital. And the line was down the street. And we're all in line. And I was probably like seven years old. And we're, we're in line. If you're, now, if you're an old buzzard like me, you know what I'm talking about. If you, if you, don't, you're not, you won't, probably don't get it. But we were in line, and we all had to get in line. And it was like the scariest thing for me. I was a little kid, and we're all. But then you hear crying, ah! We're getting close to the door. <laughs> right? And I'm, and my mom said, don't cry. Okay, don't cry. We're all, and we all went into line. Then you come out, and you had the, they had the big old, uh, on the polio, it made a little lump. You guys remember that? Okay, so the ones who are nodding were with me. The, the other ones, you, you guys don't, didn't suffer like us. We had a bump on it, and, and you knew you had a polio shot because you had the bump. But it, it protected you from polio, right? And different, different things. So it's nothing new, right? Now, today they're actually getting drugs that attack, I mean, uh, shots that, that attack recreational drugs. Well, some of you, no, I don't know about you, I'm just saying. Some people have used them, and I've seen them, they use anabuse. And you guys know what anabuse is, right? Yeah, some of you but for those who, who don't, if you take that and if you drink alcohol, you get horribly sick. So you say, I ain't drinking no alcohol because that anabuse is in you and it gets you horribly sick. So they have these things happening, right? So uh, these antibodies would break these drugs into non-intoxicating chemicals. In other words, a vaccinated addict suddenly finds that his favorite drug has no effect on him. He can't get high because the antibody is now removing the pleasure of his poison. Interesting. Could you imagine that? So let's call this, I call this a temptation vaccination. Hmm? Right? 
See, God also has his temptation vaccination. Anybody ever been tempted? Okay, there, there's three of us, four of us, five of us are truthful. The rest of us are lying. <laughs> We're all tempted one way or another. I mean, come on, you just watch TV. And for men, men are visual. They're, they're tempted at a beer commercial. Right? We're all tempted. Right? See, God has his temptation vaccination. He called it like this. You will reap what you sow. But sometimes people don't understand, well, what does that really mean? Well, keep doing what you're doing. You're going to get what you, you deserve. You will reap what you sow. Uh, there's another vaccination that God has. It's called, there is always a price to pay for sin. The problem is, some people don't believe that. Like even right now, there's somebody here, yeah, right, they ain't caught me yet. All right, Roger the Dodger, but you'll get caught. See, sin starts a chain reaction, whether you like it or not. Uh-huh. So now, if you're new, you're lucky. Because a new convert, they get much grace. Because they're learning, right? You're just learning. It's like if you're riding your bike the first couple of times, what do you do when you ride your bike? You fall. And so new converts tend to do that. They come up, they don't know the difference. You know, they're coming in and they, wow, Jesus save you, praise the Lord. Uh, what does save mean anyway? But I'm here and I feel wonderful. And they're going along doing good. And then somebody gets in their face and they boom, punch them in the nose. And then they realize, bro, we don't do that no more. Oh, we don't? No. Oh, man. They, they feel kind of remorseful. They go, oh, they go through it. But see, God is working them and teaching them a new way of walking, a new way of talking. And he's teaching them, right? But, so newcomers get, 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 get more to grace. See, because Proverbs 10.2 says, Hatred stirs up dissension, but love covers all wrongs. So when you're loving somebody, you come in and, and, and you overlook a lot of things. And you should look, overlook a lot of things. When you're, new, you're learning, a new convert will make many errors. In fact, they need to make a lot of errors. Right? That's how you learn. Oh, this is all new world. It's an upside-down world I, I, I talk. Because in the world, we think one way, and then you come to church, and everything's flipped upside down. Like, what? You do that? No way. I, you know, it was hard for me to get it in the beginning. Oftentimes, the result of their actions when they're new, does very little damage in the church because they're new. They get a pass. I, I call that extra grace, EGR. E-G-R. Extra grace required. You got to give them a pass. They're figuring it out, right? But when you're a little older in the Lord, it's a little different, right? So let's look at a different scenario. And we talked about it on Wednesday. I'm not going to go through the whole thing, but Wednesday we, we covered our last sermon on 2 Samuel, because I go through the Bible verse by verse on Wednesday nights. Um, we're starting uh, Joshua when I come back for the following Wednesday. But, uh, um, and we talked about King David. He wasn't a new convert. In verse 10 of chapter 24, 2 Samuel, it says, After he had taken the census, David conscience began to bother him. And he said to the Lord, I have sinned greatly and shouldn't have taken the census. Please forgive me, Lord, for doing this foolish thing. And instantly, God is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins. However, because he was not a new guy, he knew better. He did something against God's will. God forgave him, but he also had to deal with him. Right? So what the king did was disobey God's order not to number the people. And disobedience comes in many shapes or forms. I mean, you can name it, but they're all there. 
Here we see King David repenting, which is a good thing, but the accountability, his accountability was far greater than his sorrow. Oh, he was sorry, but he didn't realize, oh, no, 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 wait a minute, David, you, you should have known better. You're the king. Hmm? See, for him, repentance wasn't enough. Paul said, what do you mean repentance wasn't enough? That's all you need. Well, that, that's what an immature uh, believer would understand. But we're talking about being vaccinated. See, there comes a time that repentance, although God will forgive you, you'll make it to heaven. It's not enough. What I'm saying is sometimes he's got to deal with you. Hello? Say, oh, I say, ouch. Amen? See, now God needed to vaccinate him from further acts of disobedience. See, when you're in the beginning, he keeps he telling you, he warned you, he warned you, Martin, don't do that. Martin, again? Martin, okay, you're saved a couple of years. Martin, right? He'll do that. But then all, all of a sudden, you know, four years down the road, it's no more Martin. It's like, Dude, I'm going to have to deal with you now. I've been talking to you for the last several times. You don't listen. You don't listen. Okay. Okay. You need a vaccination. Hello, somebody. Anybody need a vaccination? Don't raise your hand. See, in 2 Samuel 24, verse 12, you, you see the story. And then uh, it says there in verse 12 and 13, Go and say to David, God is talking to the prophet now, this is what the Lord says. I will give you three choices. Choose one of these punishments. I will do it. So Gad came to David and asked him, Will you choose three years of famine throughout the land, three months of fleeing from your enemy, three days of severe plague throughout the land? Think this over and let me know what is your answer. See, God forgave him, but now God had to vaccinate him. He had to show him, that's enough's enough. This is the re result of your sin. See, most fail to realize that one action, your actions, your sin, whatever we do, good and bad, affect many people. It just doesn't affect you. It is those whom we fail, whom fail to mature that misuse the principle of forgiveness. The desire to sin keeps you or one who wants to sin. That desire will keep you from growing in the things of God. That's why there are some people that are in church 20 years, and man, they're spiritual giants. And there's some people in there 20 years, and really nothing's changed about them. What do I say? They haven't been saved 20 years. They've been saved one year 20 times. Because there's never, there's no progression. There's no, there's no building. They didn't, they didn't take the word of the Lord at, at face value and do it. They just kind of looked at it. But there was no lasting result. Huh? So the desire to the sin keeps them from growing. The knowledge of the Bible, and this is even more dangerous, the, the knowledge of the Bible causes them to cling to scriptures that do not apply. You know, those are the ones that remember the, the scriptures of forgiveness because they, they don't want to change. Well, God is faithful and just. God doesn't judge me. And they have all these scriptures, but they don't, they don't go to the other meaty scriptures that tell them how they should respond and how they should act because they don't want to front themselves off. But they know those, those choice scriptures that can get them going and keep them going for the next year because they've been there 20 years and they're working on year 21 or their 21st one year. Are you, are you still with me? So God had to vaccinate David. And sin demands true repentance. Let's look at verse 14 through 17. I'm just laying this at groundwork to get you where I want to get you. 
This is a desperate situation, David said, replied to Gad, but let us fall into the hands of our Lord, where his mercy is great. Do not let me fall into the hands of man. So the Lord sent a plague upon Israel that morning. It lasted for three days. 70,000 people died throughout the nation. But as the death angel was preparing to destroy Jerusalem, the Lord replied and said, Stop! That's enough. Right? No more. Keep reading. Verse 17. When David saw the angel, he said to the Lord, I am the one who has sinned and done wrong. These people are innocent. What have they done? Let your anger fall against me. Now we see where, because he's seen the result of his sin, he really repented. Earlier he said, Lord, what have I done? Please forgive me. So he thought it would work again. And God said, okay, you're forgiven, move on. No, no, no. God said, no, no, no. Now I have to vaccinate you. Because you keep doing this, David. You're too old. You've been around too long. You're not a kid anymore. Right? You're, you're, you're 40. You're 35, 40. You're not 18, 19. And you're still acting that way. You know, I got to deal with you. So you had to vaccinate him. Woo. See, sin demands true repentance. In verse 10, it appeared that David had repented. But God de- desires a deeper repentance than lip service. Hmm? David's conscience began to bother him. Now, people confuse a guilty conscience uh, or feeling sorry for repentance. There's there's two different things. See, you you know when a person repents, you know they never do it again. So most people are sorry they got caught. But when you repent, it's over. It's done. It's over. I'm not going to do it again. Now, if you you, you were sorry a year ago and you're doing it again, you were just sorry a year ago. You never repented. So you got to come to a point where you repent. And sometimes when you don't repent and you keep saying, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. It's like I've seen married couples, you know, the husband's, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. I'm, after a while, wives, you know what I'm talking, talking about? No more sorry. Don't work no more. I heard that. Been there, done that. Yeah, shut up. Prove it. Right? And so you get to a point, you have to prove it now. It wasn't until the king saw what his sin did, did he truly repent. He said, deal with me now. See, after God saw the king's heart, he told him to put his money where his mouth is. Right? He said, oh, you, you're really sorry? Go, go build an offer and go worship me. And that's another telltale, telltale sign of a Christian. See, when a Christian is saved, they all, the, their whole body, everything they have gets saved. See, but normally, and it's just American culture, really. In the American culture, when the people come to the Lord, the last thing to come to the Lord is their pocketbook. They come, but the money stays home. Huh? So when you're repented, you, you, everything comes. Dear God, whatever you want of it, it's yours. My children, huh? my home, my house, everything is yours. So now you've come to a point where you're really following God. See, God will always inoculate you from further mishaps. I call this, what I call this? The temptation vaccination. Right? It's much like a shot we talked about earlier. A cocaine addict can snort all he wants, but the cocaine or the coke won't affect him. There's no more satisfaction with sin. Hmm? 
And see, we have to come to a point where no matter what you used to like or what appeals to your lust, your lust or whatever it is, eventually you have to come to a point and realize that it's not satisfying no more. Because let's face it, sin and temptation feels good. If it didn't feel good, we wouldn't be tempted. I mean, if, if temptation and sin were a hammer hitting your thumb, we wouldn't do it. Right? So I ain't going to do that again. Why? What? I went back in the backyard and I, boom, and I sinned. <laughs> we stopped doing that. I ain't doing that no more. Right? Well, that's the same principle. You have to come to a point where that's what sin is to you. Something you hate. You abhor. It ruined my life. It ruined my family. It ruined my career. It ruined me. Sin did that. It wasn't your neighbor. It wasn't your mom. It wasn't your dad. It wasn't the way, the way you were bottle fed. It was sin, and you did it. And that's what you got to look at. It's that I don't want no more. Because huh? you remember what the sin did to you before. See, young believers, they, they have to learn, and they don't believe everything we say. See, young believers will get a lesson from sin, and, and you can reap what you sow, and that'll help them. But eventually, sin, even sin, the temptation doesn't work. It won't, doesn't teach you nothing. When sin can't teach you, now so, believe me, we want to let sin teach us. But when sin can't teach you, what happens is God has to teach you. And nobody, the Bible says it is a fearful thing to fall on the hands of a living God. And we don't want God to teach us. We say, God, teach me. No, you don't. No, 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 no. Read the Bible, do as it says, and you'll be fine. Because when God teaches you, it means he's upset. He can come down here, oh, let me do First lesson is, no, 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 no. He doesn't send preachers your way. He doesn't send messages on TV. You, you, got, you got worship music to tell you how to act. You got the Bible. You're hearing Pastor Al. You, don't, you didn't even listen to him, and he was right in your face. And now you want God to teach you? Ooh. Sin uh, should give you that sick feeling in your stomach. You know what I'm talking about? It's like this story. There's a mother had a, had been sick in bed for several days. So her daughter, young little daughter, 8-year-old, decided to make some hot tea to make her her feel better. So, oh, no, no, yeah, eight-year-old. So she brought the tea into the room, and, and as he waited, and she looked at her mother to drink it, you know, she was waiting because she knew, oh, mom's going to say, oh, thank you, dear. And he wanted to be con congratulated for doing this great deed. Her mother drank the tea, and then asked the little girl how she went about making it. I made it just like you, mommy. Well, first I took the tea leaves and boiled them, and then I strained them. And the mother asked, well, what did you use to strain them? Oh, replied the little girl. I couldn't find a strainer, so I used the fly swatter. Sensing that she said something wrong, the daughter tried to put her mother at ease and said, Oh, don't worry, Mom. I didn't use the new fly swatter. I used the old one. <laughs> See, th that sick feeling the mother just had is the kind of sick feeling we need to have when sin comes knocking on our door. Come on. Ooh. And sometimes that sick feeling should be some of your old partners, your old, your old um, uh, road dogs. You know, you know what I'm talking about. You, you got, oh, no, scary Mary's at the door. Lance Romance is, is knocking. She got that sick feeling. 
See, parents don't have to teach their children just to say no. No, no, we have to go deeper than that. See, pastors don't have to or shouldn't have to follow you around because, why? Because you fear the result of sin more than the pastor does for you. So that, that way, like me, I don't have to worry about, about my son. I don't have to worry about my daughter. Why? Because you know what? They, they have to understand that sin is going to deal with you. And I have to trust that they're going to know why. Because they know the results of sin. See, my kids, although they went through, they paid a price to be in this ministry, they have seen uh, uh, men and women come in through our programs that have done well, backslidden, died, and gone to hell. They've seen it. So that is a vaccination for them. So they have the benefit of realizing this is not a game. The devil seeks to kill, steal, and destroy. So we have to look at those things that would harm us and separate us from God and get that sick feeling. Uh, there's more to sin control than iniquity inoculation. We have a tremendous foe. And we shouldn't forget this. We have free will. Free choice. For whatever reason, God gave us the power, the discretion to choose. And free will is important. Free will is deeply rooted in Christian belief that human choices are ultimately voluntary and not determined by external causes. See, those people that keep doing it, keep doing it, they always blame other people. I wouldn't drink if you didn't get me mad. I wouldn't smoke if I wasn't so nervous at work. I wouldn't do this. And they have all these things. And they never fail. Oh, they always fail. to so look, your issue is not out here. Your issue is in, the, in here. Let God in to deal with your issue. Huh? See, our will is not mandated by God. Our will is not controlled by a vaccine. Vaccine. Even an inoculated addict has a freedom to make that bad decisions, moral, ethical choices. Huh? No, no, no. We have a free will. Now, a vaccine may, may be a miracle for some problems, keeping from some illicit drug, but it's not the answer for our walk with Christ in a world full of sin. Huh? Sam Keem said this, at the heart of any illness is the impotent child who is still crying. I can't. You do it for me. It is clear that the moment in therapy when the patient begins to get well is when one says, I am responsible for my feelings, my actions, and my style of life. In spite of parents, family, friends, or the surrounding culture, I alone can make the decision to establish a way of life that is satisfying. There is no magic. My final dignity is my ability to choose my lifestyle. So your answer, only with the help of God, begins with you. There is no answer at your therapist's office. A psychologist can't give you the proper prescription. Alcohol won't ease your issue. Dope won't satisfy your aches. Nothing is in you. Everything you need is in you. That's how God made us. It's in you. You have it. Say amen.
See, the mind, soul, and the seat of emotion can only be made whole by repentance and relationship to Jesus Christ. That walk. Now, Jesus, that relationship, now listen, Jesus, the call or the lifting up of Jesus draws you to what we call Christianity. But then Jesus, all Jesus does, because he took away the keys, right, of sin and death, he took away all those keys. All Jesus does is open the door for another. Hmm? He opened the door so that you can walk and begin to talk and sup and learn from the Holy Spirit. All Jesus did is got your attention. If you lift them up, all men will be drawn unto him. You go, why, Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. But when he gets you into Jesus and you open your heart, he goes, look, I got to go away. But I've sent another to take care of you. He will lead you. He will guide you to everything you need. All truth. Huh? So we can't look for a, 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 an outside source. You've got to, let me say that, a desire to stop is the key factor of any successful treatment outcome. In the same respect, you've got to be sick and tired of being sick and tired. And say, God, I want you. Because Paul suffered the same thing. In Romans chapter 7, Paul says this. This is the great apostle Paul. When I want to do good, I don't. And when I try to do wrong, or rather, when I try not to do wrong, I do it anyway. Does it sound familiar? We could all put our name there. The Apostle Paul was one of the first to articulate just how tricky this can be to really follow the Holy Spirit. Even when he wants to do good, he finds evil is close at hand, leading him into conflict with himself. The law of God, he, he calls it the law of sin. And the law of sin. The law of God and the law of sin will always be at war. Huh? See, even when we delight. Now, if I ask this question, without exception, do you delight in the law of God? Yes, we do. And we do, don't we? We want to do what God asks. We want to do the right thing, right? But you also have you to deal with. So you have the law of God at war with you. Ah, 24-7. See, God is omnipresent. He's everywhere. And so and you, he's always with you. So the only person you're really fighting with is you and God. No, it's not you and your wife, you and your dog. No, it's you and God. Hmm? So the human predicament seems we want to love God with all our heart. This is the human predicament. On the other hand, we seem to do everything in our power to sabotage our desire to love God. The little things we do, the little tiny lies, huh? the little tiny acts of, I want to get back at them, vengeance, the little, the, the lust uh -uh, for the men, the over-rubbernecking. Little things that are worn in your flesh that we know we shouldn't do, and you know you wouldn't do it. Why? Because if your girlfriend would, or your wife was next to you, you wouldn't do it. But when she ain't there, your eyes are roaming. <laughs> right? And then we say, we love God. And then, then you really love your wife, and you say, I don't want to do that, but you keep doing it. Am I pulling my covers on you guys? It's always warring. 
the human predicament. No, ladies, you, you, you're the same thing. Ladies are more slicker, though. Men are more just obnoxious. They just look their neck, rubbernecking their neck. They'll do a wreck, car, right? Women are not quite that bad, but they're, they're like that. They do it like this. They have more neck control. So that's a human predicament. We want to do what God wants, but sometimes we're just warring with ourselves. Amen? Can a simple shot lead to some kind of inner stability and serenity? <laughs> Don't bet on it. No. So as frustrating as this condition is, we shouldn't forget that free will is part of God's plan for us. In other words, that war in you is what God desires for you. Why? Because that proves when you win that war, and you are going to win that war. Jesus says, be of good cheer, I have overcome the world. And you are going to win that world. See, when you win that war and overcome that world, you did it because you wanted to do it, not because, because God created some kind of robot to follow him. You did it. You fought for it. You went through the fire. You made a mistake. You, 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 you scraped your knees. You got back up. You kept fighting. You kept fighting. You kept fighting. You kept fighting. Then you can stand before the Lord. I did the best I can. I made a lot of mistakes along the way. I did this. I did that. I did this. You can tell God that. And you know what God will say? He said, excuse me, um, I don't see any of that. All I see is that the blood has made you white as snow. You're still here. You know, that's, in fact, that's why Jesus went down there. Because I choose to forget everything you did and put it in the sea of forgetfulness. As far as the, the west is from the east, I don't see it. And I like the description. Sometimes we miss the description of how far and how, how much God wants to forget everything you've done in your past. He wants you to be the new you. Behold, all things become new. You're a new creation. And he, he, he doesn't say as far as the north is from the south. You know why? Very interesting thing. See, if you go north, you can hit what is called the North Pole. There's an end point. So once you hit the North Pole, then you begin to go south. And then when you hit the south, there's an end point. And once you hit the south pole, you go where? North. But when you go east, there's no end point. You just keep going east. And you never meet west. You may be on the western hemisphere, but you've just been going east all the time. There is no end point from east to west. If I go west, I can go west and go west until I end up back where I'm at. Wait, where'd you go? I went west. But how did you come from New York? I don't know. I just went west and I ended up coming this way. It's endless. So God chooses to forget something where there's no end point. That's the Lord, the God we serve. And that's a good thing. Because if we didn't have that, where would we all be? Where would we all be? Huh? So if you look at Genesis, and I'm going to end with this, you'll see that God didn't put robots in the Garden of Eden. If you go ahead and look at Adam and Eve. It wasn't Dr. Smith and then the robot. Huh? It wasn't um, iRobot, Will Smith, iRobot. It, it, was, it was people there. No cyborgs were programmed to do good or to not feel moral and ethical conflict. God created fully developed individual human beings. People who had the ability to make free choices 
on day one. They could choose, I don't want you, God. And God was a God that would respect your wishes. If that's what you choose, I respect your wish, wishes, and he will lead you to yourself. Huh? Of course, Adam and Eve, they chose poorly, and they suffered the consequences of their choice. See, this was man's first temptation vaccination. When we look at the life of Adam and Eve, that should be a vaccination for us. Pfft, don't do that. Hmm? But does it work? Nah, we need booster shots. Hello, someone. God keeps giving us booster shots. Huh? See, this was man's first temptation vaccination. Yet, going for the forbidden fruit is the habit that man can't seem to break. So we're not much different than Adam and Eve. Hmm? Help us dearly is clearly needed. Can somebody say amen? If we're going to use our free will for good, we need help. Uh, no matter how good you think you are, if you think you're good, then you really need help. Amen? See, Jesus makes an important link between love and free choice to do good. And that's what we're talking about. That was the opening scripture. He makes a very important distinction. Jesus said there in verse 23, our opening scripture, if anyone loves me, stop there. So when we read that, our first, our, our first response is, oh, yes, that's for me, right? Because in this room, there's just people that love the Lord. You wouldn't be here if that wasn't the case. He goes, if anyone loves me, that's me, that's me, that's me. Okay, let me keep going. Let's see if it's you. He will obey my teaching. What? Wait a minute. Ouch. Now, so then if you ex extrapolate that, then you got to begin to look at his teachings and find out, do you really obey his teachings? See, the proof that you love him is that you obey his teachings. Now, like I said, if you're new and you haven't really, you don't understand his teachings, it's okay. You got time to get there because you got to learn. You're going to make mistakes. But you don't have to make mistakes if you start learning his teachings. But if you don't learn them real well, you'll make a bunch of them, right? And God, okay, extra grace required. Remember I talked about? But some of you have been around a while. Come on now. You should be the example to these new ones so that they don't make the same mistakes that you make. And begin to lead them. Hey, sister, don't do that. Don't do that. Wow, because I did that one. That didn't work. Okay, why didn't it work? Then you explain to them. That's, what, that's where the fellowshipping of the saints comes into handy. Right? Help is clearly needed. He says, if anyone loves me, he will obey my teaching. My father, then not only that, you obey, but he'll say, he says this, my father will love this person, and we, Jesus is speaking, and the Father, and we will come to this person and make a home with them. That's a, that's a great thing. So all we got to do is love him, which we can say in our heart we love him, but the human condition, right, is always at war with our love for the Lord. The human, that's what we got to fight with. It's like the cartoon, remember the little angel, boing! The, the good angel, don't do that. Okay, I won't do that. And bing, no, do it, do it, <laughs> do it, do it, do it, right? And it's war within you. Because uh, if you do and you obey, he says, we're going to come and make our home with you. That's, that's the original homeboy. See, weaving love and obedience in direct fellowship 
or direct discipleship. We can't simply say we just we love Jesus and do as we please. That, that's the whole point. Both love and commandment keeping are interconnected choices that we must make every day against free will choices. Nobody can make you do this. It has to come from in here, out. Choices. Jesus doesn't force us to love him any more than he forces us to pursue good or evil. God respects us enough to give us the freedom to choose. So why? You know, I thought about, why not just save the heartache, God? Just, just, boom, just make, make our first sin so bad that we'll never do it again. He said, that wouldn't work. He, you know, it's weird the Holy Spirit speaks to me. He goes, Al, even if I rose somebody from the dead, they wouldn't believe. And is that not true? Jesus rose from the dead, and still some don't believe. See, love and morality require an atmosphere of freedom. Right? Love is always the free exercise of choice. Two people in love, right? Two people love each other. Why? Because they choose to. And, and you know, when, when you get married, it, it's often you have two people that are, are different. They don't think the same. Man will never think like a woman, ladies, no matter how hard you try to make them. And women will never think like a man, men, no matter how hard you try. Why did you think like that? Why? I had, I had my, uh, my nephew ask me that question the other day. He said, you know, women, I go, and I go, dude, dude, this is very simple. Let me teach you something about women. Let me teach you something. I'm, I'm like a pro now. And I, then I go, but before I say that, let me say this. If you wanted your wife to think like you, then you should have married a man. He goes, oh, I'm not like that. I go, well, then quit complaining. Women think like women, and that's it. Let, leave them alone. Let her be. Don't try to convince her to be you. That will eliminate 80% of your arguments if you're married. You talk about the peace of God, you won't need it almost. <laughs> All you do is let them be them. Kind of interesting. But let me get back here. This is not a marriage sermon. Hmm? So when we make this choice, we are given a gift. We're given, we can choose to love God. Huh? Choose. This gift is, is the presence and the power of the Lord who comes to us and makes his home with us. We get to choose to love God. Despite the temptation of the world, despite anything, we're going to love God. And we're going to stay focused. We're going to be in church. We're going to study his word. Despite every obstacle that comes to you and they will come, you make this choice. See, the Holy Spirit comes to teach and Christ gives peace. John 14, as my piano player comes up. All this I have spoken while still with you. John 14, 25. But the counselor, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things and will remind you of everything I have said. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give you. I do not give you as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. See, peace is an attra attractive incentive for anyone considering a life of love and obedience. Not that it comes out easily, but peace. 
Why do you think we have the recreational industry? Why do you think we have liquor stores? Why do you think we have all these activities going on? Why? Because people are always searching for peace. Can I just get away? I need a vacation. And vacations, if you took any vacation, you know vacations don't work. Vacations are sometimes so stressful. After vacation, you need time off. Well, I went on vacation. Oh, my goodness, we had the preparation. And, the, the, and then when we got there, the tickets weren't right. The hotel was I mean, hello. We, no, see, peace, when you're walking with God, and you have that relationship with God, and you're obeying him, peace happens in the middle of turmoil. Peace is not the absence of problems. We live in the world. No, peace is being cool. Chevere, suave, when all hell's breaking loose. All hell's breaking loose. Everything's going crazy, but you're cool with it. Why are you cool, man? Because I'm walking with God. I'm talking with God. Yeah, it doesn't look pretty cool. It's pretty heavy. But God's in control. God's going to take care of it. In fact, I know that all this turmoil, all this hell breaking loose in front of me, had to get God's approval first. Without God's approval, it couldn't even come here. So if God's good with it, I'm good with it. We're going to walk right through this. Jesus bid me to walk on the water, and I will come. Peter figured it out just for a moment. Then he started looking at the world. Jesus just bid me to come out and walk into the turmoil, and I will come. I choose to follow you. I'm not going to allow the war that I have within me, this sin world, to keep me from you, because that's ultimately all it wants to do, is separate you from the love of God. But God wants to help us. huh? He wants to help us. All you need is to take everything that happened, your time, your mistakes and your suffering, these things make who you are. When you plant a seed, it takes time. Huh? Makes mistakes, you made a choice, it was a mistake, you learn from it over time. And then every now and then as you're growing, you're going to go through some suffering, significant. Now it may feel bad at the time, but when you look back, I've been dealt with. When I look back, I go, man, I needed that one. Oh, that one was good for me. Whoo, man, that was a hard one. Oh, wow. And I'm here. So I understand more and more what James really means when he says, count it all joy. Count it all joy when you're going through trials of various kinds. Because you're walking with God. He's teaching you. He's forgiving you. He's maturing you. Hmm? In a world of free will. Lessons are learned by making bad choices and suffering the penalty. These consequences contain unexpected and extraordinary opportunities for spiritual growth. You're going to grow. That's why he said, if anyone loves me, he will obey my teaching. My father will love him and he will come to him and make our home with him. So spiritual growth isn't that what we desire? Spiritual growth? 
So these are opportunities. Opportunities to choose love, make, make a choice. Opportunities to choose obedience. Opportunities to choose the life-changing peace of Christ. You're in there, opportunities. So there's really no um, vaccination temptation or, or shot for sin. No, no. There's only a God who promises to come to us to make his home with us even in the most desperate situations. That's what we have. I want every head bowed and every eye closed.